Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas. Today we are going to be interviewing Sarah Dodd and Sharon Gill from the UK who have done a thousand rooms. Ah, crazy. <laughs> Do either of you sing? Not that we oh actually... Oh my god, right away. I'm so glad that <laughs> oh, wait, came wait. up now. Oh, wait, wait, we're supposed to do an intro. Yes. Man Pans has been training me to introduce yes. ourselves for yes. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this. <laughs> so I remember it now. Good job. <laughs> okay. Oh, my name is Errol. My name's Amanda. And we are an escape room podcast where yes. we talk about all about escape rooms. Yay. And we're excited because I, I think we've been trying to get Sarah Dodd and Sharon on for a long, long time. time, way before they reached their 1,000 room yeah. milestone, we were, you know, around 500, because that would have been fine, too. That would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I met you guys in person at the... Oh, um, right. You met them in person. They, yeah, at the game. Everybody. In oh. fact, I even played a room we with them. We played a room. Were... <laughs> I mean, come on, that's... <laughs> One of the really good rooms, oh. one of the funnest rooms I've played in a while. Yeah, yeah. and Sharon was so brave. So, hey. Like, hey, no, hey, no, no, no. <laughs> Whoa, I was. Oh, well, nice. Are you insulting our on. guests now, man? I, I just know that Sarah and I were in a crawl space, cr- clutching a crucifix. Yeah, That's all. But I, I mean, know. if someone had come into the crawl space, I would have decapitated them with the crucifix. That's brave. <laughs> yes, I, I held it. Firmly, and uh, and even the host afterwards said, "I could tell when you were scared because when you were scared, it was raised above your head in hitting style, <laughs> and when you were a bit calmer, you just held it by your side, and that was true." Yeah, and you you told me that like that room shouldn't be a measure of how you actually do in rooms because I'm the same way. Once once horror is introduced to a room, yeah, my usefulness goes down like ninety percent at least. Yeah, and and on top of that. <laughs> my heart doesn't like to beat properly when I'm scared. So um, that's that's fun. That's like an extra bonus that I get in a scary room. Oh, yeah, that's right. Trying to convince them that you actually did have a heart Genuinely condition. Genuinely have a heart condition. I'm not just <laughs> trying to wimp out of your scary room. Some people do think that we do. We had one game once where I picked the... There was like a child's version you could play and a normal, I guess, a, I want to say an adult's version. And I rang up yeah. and I said, can we please play the child's version? And they said, well, you don't really need to do that. And I said, no, I, I have a bit of a heart condition and I also hate being scared. So kind of one leads to another. And she said, but not even the children that come play the children's version. So we were the first ever people to try the children's version. And the people that had played before <laughs> us were a team of seven-year-old girls. They played the normal version. I still freaked myself out in that room. Um, so that was, that was yeah, so I'm a coward. You have been brave in quite a few scary rooms, though, that we have played where they couldn't take scares out. That was pretty impressive, like the clown one. Where we were chased oh, by a clown. Oh, the clown one where I, my heart wouldn't beat properly for eight hours afterwards. I was brave. Yeah, there was that. You protected me. Oh, it was really, really That's sweet. because there was a gun in that room. And the moment I had a gun, <laughs> that was it for the game. I was just the person with Not the gun. Not a real gun. Not a, a Nerf gun. But I can do damage with a Nerf gun. You know, you keep saying you're not into guns, but now this is the second time <laughs> you brought up guns, sir. Not not in this podcast, no, but just earlier when we were earlier talking. Just checking your in, and yeah, picture has guns. It does. Yes. It, it has a gun in a hospital. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I, I like, shot a gun for the very first. Sorry, I shot a handgun for the very first time. That was 
scary for me. Yes. Don't get Sharon yes. starting on guns. We're, just, we're just on the street or? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was in America. Aero so I thought, snapping. hey, let's just grab this <laughs> and shoot carry. the ceiling like they do. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Um, yeah, I mean, we're British. We don't, we don't do guns here. But if you give me a gun with a fake bullet or a, you know, a Nerf gun, a crossbow, I'm, I, if you give me a weapon in a room, I become a different person. Or a crucifix, apparently. <laughs> or a crucifix. Yeah. Something that can be made into well, a weapon. Anything so, that I can lift up and hold <laughs> is what I mean by a weapon. So you guys are in London, correct? We are. I think. Ooh. I hope so. And and so you've you just finished your thousandth Woo! Holy crap. <laughs> That is static. So uh, I guess first question then is how did you guys, how did you discover escape rooms? Um, I guess I'll take this one because it's my fault. I'm sorry. I feel like I have to apologize every time we go to an escape room to poor Sharon. Because sometimes people <laughs> say, well, how many escape rooms would Sharon have played if not for Sarah? And Sharon ans- Sharon's answer is usually none. No, no, come on, you might have played like three or something, right? Uh, Probably uh, none. Oh, okay, that's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you don't hate them that much. That's not good. I don't hate them. I absolutely don't. I I think they're a lot of fun, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, because you're a thousand in, so that's going to look odd. Yeah, Um, but I I probably just wouldn't have heard about them or gone and tried any out so it was my birthday two and a bit years ago which makes that seem crazier now I realize and uh, the day before my birthday so we'd played the crystal maze which I guess a lot of enthusiasts have now heard about even if they're from the US I don't know if it plays over there or whether they've heard about it but it's a British TV show from the 19 80s. 80s. I was going to say 80s, but I don't think it was. I think it was 90s. It wasn't the event game. You know, it was after this. But it was effectively a Fort Bayard crystal maze. It was, you know, I'm sure most of you know, but it's a game with lots of little mini games. They go as a team. They try and win crystals in in small, bite-sized, two, three-minute games and see how many they can collect. And there's a finale. And uh, so a team of people kick-started um, a project to run a crystal maze set for the general public. And I put some money into that. I'd always wanted to go on the crystal maze as a kid. I've always liked challenges and puzzles and games. Uh, and it was a culmination of all of that. And so I kick-started that in March um, 2000 and whatever, I don't know, two and a half years ago. And uh, we took along a bunch of friends and someone said to me, oh, hey, uh, have you played any escape rooms? You're a gamer. And I said, what on earth is an escape room? And uh, he said, oh, look up Time Run online. You, you'll love it. And so, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers have heard about Time Run as well. So I looked up Time Run, time run and, I, um, and it kind of talked about theater and actors and immersion and I noped out of it I went oh no no I don't want to not communicate with other people or kind of interact (laughs) or do anything weird and kind of you know amateur dramatics and so I completely ignored escape rooms for another three months and then it was my birthday and I thought you know what I want to do something a bit different for my birthday so I said Sharon have you planned anything for the morning of my birthday and she said no and after scolding her I said no I'm kidding I said um okay, I'm going to book something crazy. So I thought maybe we'd do like a treasure hunt or one of those AR kind of go around the cities and a bit like a geocache or something like that. And I Googled things that were available and an escape room came up and it didn't mention interactive theater, which I now love, by the way. (laughs) And uh, so I went, oh, I guess, uh, yeah, why not? Be spontaneous. So at 9.30 in the morning, we got up on my birthday. We went to an escape room. Uh, We got out in 50 minutes 
I instantly knew that I was addicted for life. Uh, I, <laughs> as we were walking out of that venue, and they only had one game at the time, uh, I was already booking another escape room for that afternoon. Um, <laughs> so we played two on the very first day, and then things just went incredibly downhill. Yeah, I mean, it does, the story gets better. We had to change some reservations we had that evening so we could go and play the escape game. I ended up getting food poisoning in the middle of the day, but we still had to go and play the second escape game. <laughs> yeah. You, have, you can't say no on the other person's birthday, so I didn't care if Sharon needed to go to the bathroom every three minutes. We had an escape room to play, and it was important at my birthday. <laughs> and they were fun. <laughs> That's nice of you. <laughs> And so that just that just started the whole like a thousand games in a couple of years. That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. It's sweet that you're using the word impressive. There are other words <laughs> that could be used. I respect and accept that. Um, crazy, insane, stupid, weird, obsessed. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we, we keep... won't say expensive. <laughs> Exp- we try not we to try think, not about, to think that. about that. A lot of I people ask. in the back of my mind. Yeah, let's <laughs> not let's not calculate that. Fortunately for us, um, I used to work in, in game design uh, before I went on my current careers, and so we ended up offering, or we ended up talking to a lot of owners afterwards because of that background, and I guess as we played more, um, and I we were became more well known. One of my favorite things about playing escape rooms is the analysis part of it. And that also includes going away and analyzing what I loved and what I didn't love and what could be better, um, why something was as good as it was and why it affected me or why it didn't resonate with me. And so when I do that with other owners, they found that useful feedback. And so we started to get asked to test a lot of rooms and that led to being asked to uh, help with design and and all sorts of things and so actually luckily for us because we would offer to sit down for half an hour or an hour or longer afterwards and hopefully um, we provided useful feedback and and well thought out feedback it meant that we would do that in return for a free game so actually we haven't paid for a thousand rooms probably not half which is very very lucky um but that's great still still i i appreciate very expensive but in london to be honest to go to the cinema to the movies is as much as an escape room to go out for dinner is three times as much to go out for a theater is five times as much if because clearly we have no time to do anything else we're not it's not another (laughs) extra it's what i would be spending perhaps on entertainment anyway um, Makes sense. Yeah, and you're like living the dream because I think a lot of enthusiast bloggers out there, I think some of them that's what they want to do. They those who start a blog, they think, oh, eventually I want to help help design it. Yeah, now, they don't have your background of game design, which would be helpful. Mm. But other than that, you know, I think a lot of people think that that's where. Wouldn't they'd like it be to go. great? I, when I worked in computer games the first time, I remember someone saying, "You won't play computer games anymore." Because once you go behind the magic curtain, it becomes less impressive. You get bored of it. You get exhausted constantly thinking about design and working on it. And actually, then when you want some free time, you want to do anything but. But actually, for me, in computer games, I didn't find that. Um, it, it, it didn't take away. I just didn't want to see my project ever again. Um, so it hasn't done that. I, I find that because I love the analysis so much that I... I, it make it pushes me to be an even better um, designer. What I work in mainly is UX, so user experience. So it's the refinement, it's the signposting, the feedback that effectively someone came up with a good analogy recently called UX, the proofreading of escape rooms. So it's not always or very, very rarely the initial concept design, but it's um, here's the concept. Now, how do I make that 
well balanced, well signposted, have great feedback, as fun as possible, remove the ambiguity, make it make sense, you know, all of those things. And and I love thinking about that in every game that we play and therefore getting to do it part time now um, as a job is is wonderful. We we were almost going to blog and Sharon have many stories about how often we almost started a blog because it seemed the obvious way to engage with the industry. Well and well, we have a blog that is private. It that is no private. No one else can see. No so can it's see there it. but it's just for us. Yeah. <laughs> Online just for us. <laughs> it's like I did 150 bullet blogs because I wanted to gauge with the industry more and it was it seemed to be the obvious thing. If you didn't work in a room or you didn't own one but you wanted to be more involved and you thought about them as often as we did or I did, uh, then you blogged. So I started one but I'm not a brilliant writer. Um, I find it quite laborious to write. It doesn't come naturally. Although I like it, but it doesn't come naturally. So it takes a long time and I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to writing and I'm not good at it. So uh, it didn't seem right, but it seemed at the time like the only fit. But then the, thankfully, the more that we tested and the more that I realized that that's what I was better at, um, analyzing, designing, proofreading, UX, uh, that's a better fit. And I, I really enjoy that side of it. That's amazing. I think owners over here just get mad at me when I you know, tell them, what yeah, whereas over here they pay me for it. <laughs> Crazy people. Um, British people are just too polite, clearly. So, so how many games would you play normally, like, say, in a, in a week or a month? <laughs> Depends if it's a special week or not, Amanda. Honestly, oh. we, can, we can crank them out. Each game is exciting. So people say, how have you done that many when you both work full-time jobs? Which is a fair comment. And it's more, yeah, we do crush them together. So as I say, we did two the first ever day that we, we did them. And then looking at my spreadsheet, because obviously extensive spreadsheet of all games, um, by the end of the first month, we'd already done kind of 15, which doesn't seem much now, but was quite a lot at the beginning. Um, and considering my birthday was on the 20th, that's quite a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> but it's more... Um, so at the weekends or when we had two days off, whenever that occurred, it would be go to a location, play all of the games in the location. And so we started quite quickly. I think within two months we were doing five or six a day. And um, <laughs> now, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. every, sorry, every, every time we had two days off, you know, so twice a week. Um, and then uh, because London had a lot at the time, now we don't have any left in London for us, uh, we'd do maybe one or two of an evening and then we'd go away somewhere for the weekend and play all the rooms in the area. And I, I'd like to caveat that, caveat that by saying, um, I understand that sounds crazy. I think most of this podcast is going to be me trying to explain to people I'm not crazy and it's not going to go well. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but I think, well, I, I, you know, the thing is, the audience out there crazy, right? probably are <laughs> on your side. So you don't actually have to worry about that. No, that's no, good. No. But I suppose... I um, think most of them are jealous, really. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. But I guess, so I say, uh, I keep an average time and our average time over the 1,022 games now is about 31 minutes. If our average game is 30 minutes, you can go somewhere in the country and you can play, say, two games in the morning or three games in the morning. And if you average that out, at an hour and a half you can then go off and have tea or you know some food or look around the area or go to a museum do three more at lunch um and then go off again and catch up with some friends and have dinner and see the sights go shopping do three in the evening and you've done nine but you've actually for the whole day played i don't know you know four and a half hours four and a half hours thanks for the maths that's why i scream maths at sharon when we're in the skate room um, <laughs> and and it's not so big it's you know it's two or three movies two long movies in a day so if you split it up like that 
I do genuinely, I know people don't, but I do get exhausted if we play them back to back to back to back. The most we've done back to back is maybe five. Um, how, how, what's the greatest number we've completed in a week? It, oh, in an eight-day week, the most we completed was uh, seven. Well, I can't do it in seven days because there was the three. In was seventy, seventy or eighty? No, eighty. We did eighty in eight days once, but we had a day and a half off in the middle because we were traveling between two countries. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's a lot, yeah. but that's how we do it. We'll go on holiday. We'll play thirty-five somewhere in you know four or five days, and then we won't play any games for two weeks. Oh, just, oh, yeah. two weeks. Can you imagine? I, it's disgusting. Yeah, I don't know what you do I, with yourselves. I, I, just, just, <laughs> I spend time planning the next, you, do you know what? Oh, I've probably okay. spent more time planning escape room holidays than being in Than playing room. games. Because no, it's so sense. hard. You go to a new country, you have to get in touch with them all, check that you can, say in Europe, check that you can play them in English. And then you have to work out ma- the maps that I have of it would take this long to get from here to here but they only have a slot at 11.30 and this place only has a slot at 10 so we'd have to you know book that one first then that one then get an Uber over to that one and then get the tram back to here and you don't know the country um, and then we'd have to ask them to move their slots slightly so we can fit them in and then get over to the next one It's that's more difficult than any escape room I've played is organising escape room holidays um, no I totally I yeah. totally yeah. understand that <laughs> particularly when you're I trying was, to fit I was really I was like really I could say impressed again but I was really impressed I was so tired <laughs> in the Netherlands yeah. and when you guys came out like okay we're gonna go to six escape rooms over in this other country and what I, I'm gonna you mean sleep. on a day right <laughs> <I> felt <laughs> yeah. really wimpy we did, we did kind of like I think because we were playing with Ken who most people know from the logic escapes me and exit games and his wife um the lovely Hazel and we played I think it was something like eight eight seven eight and then a couple or something and it's uh, that's pretty standard to be fair as a pair and we've played over half of our games as a pair and we started the first 300 or so were pretty much as a pair Anything over seven does get tiring, particularly if you have one bad game where you go over 45 minutes, it, it gets exhausting. Eights, well, I normally cap it at eight as a pair, <laughs> um, maybe seven. But when there's four of you and, you and two, you know, another enthusiast couple, um, you could do, we've done 12, we could do more. It's just the booking that stops us doing that because there'll be games where you just rest. You kind of, you take a back seat, you trust that the other three are going to crack on. You you have a mental five minute break and there's not the pressure. As two people, if it's one of you- It's a lot more chill, isn't it? Yeah, if one of you steps back, you've got a problem. You're basically celebrating a room and then, you know, tag teaming the other person in. So yeah, we play. A That's why I only play with a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd, my partner It's like an escape room relay. The only downside is you don't get to do it to to complete as many puzzles or see as much stuff. But then you get to talk about it in the pub afterwards, which is also lovely. Yeah, I I really like the social aspect. I think a lot of people have seen that escape rooms aren't very social, but the amount of people that I've met through the conferences, through the enthusiast group, the amount of owners, because we'll sit and chat to them afterwards. um, And then I I calculated we've played with 75 other people, um, which I know probably in America is not a big deal, but as we have private games in the UK and Europe um, and for our first what, 300, 350 games we hadn't really played with anyone else so 75 other people is quite, quite a lot for us um, but we've got yes. certain people who we've played so Ken we've played over 300 games with and his, and his wife and there's another couple that we've gone on holiday a few times that we've played 200 games but I like the social aspect even if we've played as a pair I will inevitably <laughs> end up um, talking to someone who's you know I know enough enthusiasts that say oh I've just played that game what did you think of it what did I think of it you know we'll have little chats when we meet up um, and it's yeah and, and even just as a couple it's a it's a fun thing to 
I don't know, it gets you out the house. People used to say, why do you play so many? And I said, it's very easy to come home from work, particularly when I was working full time as a doctor. You, you get home, you s- slump on the sofa, two days go by, you go back to work and you think, what did I do? I, I just did some chores and some washing, which are important things, and ate food and answered some emails, which is why I don't do that anymore. Um, but you don't really feel like you've gone anywhere. But when I would go and play, you know, eight escape rooms and eight escape rooms on a Saturday, Sunday, we'd travel somewhere to a part of England or Scotland or something that we'd never seen. And we'd catch up with some friends and play some escape rooms. And then we'd go and see a castle and play some escape rooms. And then we'd go shopping. And you'd come back from a weekend and you might have played 18 or 20 escape rooms and caught up with some friends and seen some new sites and had a little road trip and, you know, blasted off into space and saved humanity a couple of times and broken out from a prison and you know cured a plague and dug up some ancient treasure and you go back to work on monday and you feel like you've had five days off and not you know half a minute off so as someone who's done a lot of games you've probably seen a lot of really bad rooms i mean what would you say is the ratio of good of rooms you've enjoyed and rooms where you didn't enjoy Sarah, crack out the stats. Crack out the spreadsheet. Oh, you have the stats. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess because we keep a spreadsheet, we, um, I, we rate them. They're private ratings. Um, so there's a couple of people that's seen the spreadsheet, but ultimately, just for ourselves, we rate them. Uh, I rate them on a five out of five rating, but I do do half points, so I guess that's a ten point scale. And Sharon rates them out of ten, but also has half points. But um, <laughs> that's a 20 point rating. Sometimes you just don't, you just can't pick one. So you might as well go into the halves <laughs> or the quarters. Um, but because of that, I also, on my lovely spreadsheet, it will calculate um, each rating out of one that I haven't updated the last letter. We only got back from holiday yesterday. Um, but out of the 1001, when this spreadsheet was last updated with the scores, um, I had rated 34 five out of five which sounds like not a lot. Um, but but what's the other end? But I, well, and I'd, I'd rated, so I count anything four and above strong. And so there's 340 of them. And I count anything three or three and a half as good. And there's 500 of them. So that's 850 out of a thousand. I count as a worthwhile thing that I've done. And I would suggest yeah. other people go. In the awful category, which is 0.5, not good. There are four of those. I'd love to see what they are. Um, one and 1.5 there are 33 so out of a thousand and one games at this point there were 33 where I probably would rather stuck something in my eyeballs than gone through that again <laughs> we we are quite lucky in that there are a lot of bloggers out there so when we do plan a, a bit of a binge we'll try and only pick the the games with better ratings or medium ratings whereas I'm a completionist and we'll book everything and I yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some that no, you there are some, there are some the horror stories. Yeah, there are there are a few that even that are close by that we just haven't been back to or we haven't booked because enough people that we know have said don't do that and you know we don't. Oh, so you so there are, you do have standards I have, and you I have will really choose. low standards clearly really low standards <laughs> but there are a few games in this country that we keep a map as well of the country um, a bit like Exit Games that Ken started for us and. Uh, it's like a personal map to show us where all the games are left in the country because that's becoming difficult. And there are a few that I've <laughs> kind of greyed out saying this does exist, but you don't want to go there unless it's the last room in the country. So, yeah, so 33 goddamn awful games out of 1001, is, I think it's pretty good going and about 125 weak games. You know, I didn't have fun in them is probably oh, how a- I say. 
but uh that's a good percentage yeah though, i don't know what of, that says about times me. you've had fun <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i have had some fun in at least 850 of these games and and some to an awful lot of fun to absolutely mind-blowing uh you know one of the best things i've ever done so and the, and the great thing is is that the the parameters that you're doing a room for the most part is in a pair, so you can compare it to something. What's hard for us is that sometimes we'll do with a room with other people, and whether it be newbies or whether it be randoms, because over there in the UK you can book it. And so it's harder for us to like to to give a a standard kind of room um, assessment if you're playing with all these different people, because people can really change what you think of a room. Yeah. We've played what three or four public games, maybe five now. Um, I, oh wow! Yeah, out of oh, I know, crazy. <laughs> we're we're newbies, and um, we have hated all but one of them. We just I can't do other people. I can't do other people that I don't trust in a room. It's it's terrifying. Mm. The idea that that your experience is changed or affected by people that are completely out of your control that you haven't aren't used to communicating with that may be nice or may not that you may or may not gel with. I get in part the excitement of not only not knowing what's in the room but not knowing who you're going to be with but at the same time the idea of being in an incredible wonderful adventure and having people that are disruptive or destructive or unpleasant or argumentative and ruining that experience is, is an upsetting idea so um yeah no i agree i actually i don't get why somebody would want to do that with i mean the go up with randoms I, when we book with randoms i think oh crap i don't have any excitement who am i going to meet yeah and i'm an extrovert <laughs> okay like, so it's not a thing as yeah. an introvert i'm practically hiding under the table so. <laughs> okay this would be me as well so I, I think it's we're really lucky that we get to do that and that we get to go across now that we're running out of games in the uk that we get to go across to europe and it's also private booking we we very quickly on the few public ones that we played had not you know, had all the horror stories that I guess you've had a lot more of, you know, people snatching things or keeping them to themselves or arguments breaking out between groups or, you know, people or trying to control others. Or... Sharon did get fully punched in the face, but it was an accident. Oh, okay. This, that was wow. in our first wow. public game, so that put us off. Was it Manda? Was it Manda? Yeah, it was. With a crucifix. It was horrendous. <laughs> Just beating her and being like, Manda, it's yeah. it's not a zombie. That's Sharon, and she came, kept going. She came out from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we locked her in a coffin and then we beat her for it. It was really, it was yeah. quite a, it was. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. She's not supposed to come back out. She's supposed to be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you made sure. Um, no, it was yeah. a zombie room actually. It was. Uh, it was. I mean, I didn't notice that Sharon had been punched in the face because I was busy puzzling, and I feel that there should be um, a hierarchy of of needs. Um, Maslow said something about that. And yeah. mine was puzzle and finish the room, and then obviously worry about Sharon getting punched in the face. Um, but she told me about it That'd afterwards. Be funny. Maslow's of hierarchy of, of escape room needs. needs. Exactly. <laughs> it's finish the room, and then oh, you got punched in the face. I'm so sorry. Uh, it wasn't me, was it? Okay, good. It wasn't. <laughs> but and so you guys, so you guys have played all these rooms together. So what roles do you find yourself going into when you go in the? Sharon rooms? does maths. Yeah, Sharon does maths. maths. Sharon, maths. I, I'm not good at maths. You, you're an I engineer. get it wrong. You're good so at maths. Often. And and Sarah does violence. I do that. Oh God, you know me so well, and we've not properly met. Um, but Manda <laughs> told you, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I do. No, no, I picked it up all actually from this podcast. Yeah, that's worrying, isn't it? I, I mean, I think of the seventy-five people that have played with us, seventy 
five of them would agree. Um, but it's just I have very sharp elbows. And if there's like a dexterity or skill puzzle in front of me, you will feel my elbows as I charge towards it and say, mine, mine, my precious. <laughs> yeah, I know. Violence is not, I, I guess, um, I do the... Hmm. Do you know what, Sharon, you should answer what my role is in the skate rooms because I'm fascinated. We should have a poll of everyone that's ever played with us and see how offensive that gets. If I say, what does Sarah do in the skate rooms? I can imagine how bad that would be. You you do very much enjoy the physical skill puzzles. That's true. You don't always complete them, but you do enjoy them. Um... 99.9% <laughs> of the time, I smash those puzzles. What, what happened this I weekend? I know, I know. <laughs> four, I'm just saying, four arrows, four skulls, no one had completed that game in two weeks and we got out in 15 seconds. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway. Gosh, you're just um, making the connections, uh, making the connections between uh, the the seemingly random objects and bits of information that we find in the room and uh, linking them to, you know, a solve or a puzzle or an, or an area or a part of a puzzle. I think you, that, that, you do that really I love really that well. you're describing escape rooms. You do escape rooms oh, that's, escape that's rooms. what you do, escape rooms. <laughs> We did have one room where um, I came out at the end and I was like, Sarah, I, I didn't do anything. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, oh, no, wait, and hang on a minute. You, you unlocked that box. And at which point I said, well, you gave me the code and told me to go over and unlock the box. And, um, yeah, you, that's, you, that's what you do. You do the analytical side. So it's up to everyone else who's playing with you to make sure that we can keep up so we get the chance to solve a puzzle well um yeah see the good thing is if you oh yeah everything room, apart from maths everything apart from maths and anagram do you know what i can't do words in fact neither you of us are I can. really that's good our, at anagrams that's our no you can't say that anymore oh i'm getting better because of escape rooms but i have no natural inclination towards re <laughs> um reordering letters i it, neither of us do and so as a downfall as a pair words what? do you see a lot of anagrams in escape rooms um, too many one anagram wow, is too many really? anagrams. I love a good anagram, though. Oh, I agree. Um, uh, well, that's that's just my puzzle snobbish. Yeah, no, me too. So. That's you just touched puzzle. on one of the Errol Elmer puzzle no oh, goods. I'm so glad we agree. Rooms. I hate them in an escape room. Much like riddles, you know, know this answer to this riddle or don't know the answer. Like, great. Well, that's that's going to be fun. There's no analysis here, is there? I mean, I guess that's the point. I like having. It's the same as not having outside knowledge in a room, right? It's it's. I want to go in there and feel that I have a chance of solving everything. You know, basic 101 puzzle design. What would you say now that you? You've done a lot of rooms, especially across uh, Europe. Mm. Now you've seen you've seen it over the two years improve. Is there where where do you hope escape rooms can improve even more? This is kind of me kind of asking the positive of like what are the still the sucky things that escape rooms do? But I'm not asking that. <laughs> like where can you see them Clever. improve, or how can they improve? Yeah, Sharon, do you want to tag that before? How I can do? escape rooms improve? Um, do you mean as a sort of general uh, experience? Well, like I would think that future, after or? you've done a thousand, you've seen a lot of things that they do badly still. Or maybe they don't. Or things that work. <laughs> no, I what want the bad they? things first. You want the bad I want all the bad Darkness. things first, yes. Darkness. We've seen some excellent um, use of darkness where... Uh, low lighting isn't too obstructive it creates the theme and atmosphere wonderfully and we've seen some apps am i allowed to swear on this yeah amanda does it all the time oh great how bad Usually can absolutely yeah. terrible rooms where they've just decided to have 
crap puzzles and darkness to make it harder. That was such British swearing. I love it. Can I swear? Crap I'm, I'm holding myself back. But it's, Have you sworn it, yet? I don't even that, that know. That was British no, swearing. Absolutely <laughs> crap puzzles. Awful. Yeah, that so, was us swearing. So that would be nice if, if the designers or, or owners just had a thought about, you know, is this frustrating or difficult? Am I doing this just to, to piss off my customers and ruin their experience? Or am I doing this because, you know, it's an integral part of the story and experience? I think that goes further than darkness, though. I don't think, I mean, I've seen the debates on the on the enthusiast group repeatedly, and I don't think that anyone puts darkness in the room, or very few people, to piss off their customers. I don't think anyone tends to go out saying, do you know what I'm going to do? So I'm going to really annoy my customers. But I do think that they get so stuck in their idea that darkness equals atmosphere or darkness equals difficulty um, that they can't see that when that leaches into players equals frustration, that becomes the problem, you know, and they've had this debate endlessly about having a movable light source or at least a light source over the puzzles. When you're trying to enter a, a letter or a number or trying to read something, you want to be able to see that that's, that's not difficulty. And, and that, or have, or have no puzzles in the darkness. You know, I think that'd be magic. a perfect solution. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, that argument will, will go on and on. But we've played enough rooms that um, show how easy it is to be incredibly atmospheric and dark and spooky whilst being completely well lit over the things that we need to see and do. Um, you know, it, there's a balance. Contrast is amazing. Contrast. The elements of style and design. What is it called? The elements of style. One of the main things, one of them is contrast. Anyway, I can't remember. For me, it's, it's kind of, it's all about days. balance. You know, f for me, a good mm -hmm. game is is about the balance um, between puzzles and atmosphere or um, it's about the balance between giving the signposting but not giving so much that it becomes a hand-holding process where people don't feel like they're you know they're solving anything it's it's all about balance um, and I think sometimes when we come across bad rooms it's the balance that's missing um, it's it's making sure that you're on the right side of fun and it's making you're sure you're on the right side of difficulty although difficulty is a whole another topic because you know the whole what is difficulty in escape room for me is an important one that we'll often have interesting discussions with owners about um, but yeah bal balance is often missing from escape rooms um, whether that be balance of puzzle variety, which for me is one of the most important things to make a, a good escape room so that you get your whole team involved and every type of... Um, it, it gives everyone the opportunity to invest in a puzzle or be interested in a puzzle or have some input into a puzzle if you provide a wide... A, a broad range of intelligence modalities, you know, a skill puzzle and a logic puzzle and a mass puzzle and a visual puzzle and so forth. So that kind of balance is really important and balance over atmosphere and puzzles is really important. And saying that the more we've played, I, I think we're very aware when we talk about bad things in rooms that we've played a lot of rooms and I try very hard and it is more difficult now when we kind of personally rate the rooms and personally think about the rooms and give recommendations to remember that we've played a lot of rooms and that the first time I saw UV in a room it was very exciting it was oh my True. goodness there's mm -hmm. a secret message on the wall and it's about mm -hmm. saying I'm not saying take out your UV I get that that's exciting um, it's about how you implement it give me a good torch or let us all have them or have a fixed light over the area make make the use of uv dramatic and exciting and unexpected don't make it a laborious task it's more it's more of that balance again and so in the same way when we rate rooms um we don't get shocked quite as much we're often asked do you ever see anything new in a room anymore and i'm every room i see something new if you pare down every puzzle to its kind of foundation there are not that many types of puzzles in the world but the moment mm -hmm. you interpret it differently it becomes a new puzzle it's like saying 
Um, well, now you've done a math sum, you know, all maths. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, there's almost no occasion where I've looked at a puzzle and gone, I've done exactly this before. Obviously, I'll see a pig pen and I'll be like, well, I know how that works. But to be honest, the first time I saw it, I got that it was a cipher and all I needed was, you know, how to do that. So it's not that we've, we've sped up. And the moment you interpret something differently in 3D or with different props or with different... Um, context, my brain doesn't go, hang on a minute, I've done this before. Um, but sometimes there are big aha moments or wows or manipulations or props. And that, yes, it's fair to say that those things are more exciting. When a whole wall moves, you know, when the sky implodes, when a volcano goes off, obviously we're more amazed because we are used to playing hundreds of games simply where you're in a room with lots of box, you know, boxes and locks and things like that. But if I didn't enjoy that basic puzzle and those tropes, I wouldn't keep playing them. Even the, even sometimes the, the way someone's implemented a puzzle without the use of magic props or not magic props, sorry, large props or huge moving rooms or lots of technology, they've just very, very carefully thought about what they want to, to convey and how they want people to solve something and the information they need. And some there was that, that room, wasn't there, Sarah, built by the archaeologists? Mm -hmm. It was so simple and so beautiful. Even the simplest things that we had to do, we were, we were so excited to do them. Yeah. So that's a room called, um, it's a company called Code to Code. They're in Swindon, which is not a hugely um, kind of well-known, it's not a hub of, of, of England. Um and uh, the chap who's going to speak at the conference that um, we're running soon, Alex, um, is an archaeologist by trade. And so he's, um, he's used that knowledge um, to help him design, I guess, the narratives, the puzzles, the ideas. He's got an incredible intention to detail, and I suppose that's not massively surprising for an archaeologist uh, but it's that attention to detail that makes that room beautiful it doesn't have huge whizzes and bangs um but everything is perfect you know he's thought about every tiny aspect and part and what i also liked about his room is that he uses props that one might find and obviously without spoilers for all those people in swindon now but you know for anyone i think if you come over to england and you can make that hour journey over from london it's it's worth it but he uses props in a way, in a new way. So enthusiasts will go along and say, oh, I know what this is. I'm going to use it in a normal way. And they will be absolutely flummoxed. And I know some enthusiasts that have thought there's been a misset because they get a prop they've seen a hundred times before and they say, well, it's not working. And it's because he's using it completely differently. And what's great about that is that new players will also be very excited because they're using a prop in an exciting and interesting way. So they won't know that it's different, but they'll still be excited. But enthusiasts equally... Um, are fascinated that's that I guess it's it's breaking a rule that they thought they had in their head. But his attention to details is, yeah, is absolutely um, second to none. I think for any weak rooms that I've ever been to, I, I and I th I think the way forward is to is to never stop uh, refining a room where possible. And I think that's probably why I like the UK scene and, and the Europe scene. And, and just to be clear, we've never played anywhere else but the UK and Europe. Um, but what I like about the independent companies we have, and we're, we are more independent-led at the moment than um, franchise-led, is that when it's a designer's creation and it's their own money on the line and it's their own design that people are coming to play and they invest so much of their kind of blood, sweat and tears into it, you know, it's not just this room is good enough. I need to make another one. And I, then I've got to ship it out to another, you know, com five com companies around the country. They'll sit and they'll watch players play it and they'll keep refining and keep 
um, making additions or slight changes and polishing the diamond. And so we'll often find if we go a few months later to a room that we've tested or if we play, um, you'll see iterations of the same game improving and improving. And I think that's one of the best things you can do with any design, even if... You know, you make something that's not working quite the way that you want it to. It's about taking on that feedback, watching where people get stuck, wanting people to have a better experience and saying, so how do I do that? Very, It's a very supportive community over here um, where everyone kind of on the whole wants everyone else to succeed. Speaking of which, you mentioned something. Mm. You mentioned the conference that's coming up. I did. I'd like to hear more about that. You is Are you running a conference or how does this work? His name is Eric. Um, he's my His child. name is Eric. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Eric stands for Escape Room Industry Conference. So I guess there were uh, a bunch of successful unconferences in the UK. And um, the person, there were a number of people that were involved in helping those run. Um, and they were really useful. And lots of people got something out of them. And there was going to be another one. And unfortunately, the person that was mainly involved in um, getting that together had some other things going on and had to say, actually, this time around, I, I can't do this at this time. Would anyone like to step up? And um, myself and a chap called uh, Simon Stokes, who runs Escapologic, where I work part time now, I said to him, I, I, I feel that you know, we could help. We could do something. We, we, everyone here, as I said, the community is so wonderful that everyone wants to try and help each other. And it was kind of, well, we don't want everyone to miss out. They're all expecting something and everyone likes getting together even just for a drink and a chat. Um, but the more I looked into the way kind of unconferences work, the more I thought that was awfully hard work. They've, they've definitely got their place um, and they are a different type of organisation in my mind because in the, the way they worked in the UK for, for the industry at least at the time were that people would turn up and on sometimes with a, a general theme but sometimes not and on the day decide what they wanted to talk about and then what tended to happen was that people that knew a lot about the topic would end up kind of giving or imparting a lot of knowledge and, and the other people would listen and they seemed very difficult to organise and I said you know what that's a lot of work what I can do, knowing as many owners as I know um, and having played lots of the rooms around the UK, is that I've got a fair idea of uh, lots of broad topics that the industry might be interested in. And I know lots of owners that might be able to be willing to speak about that. I can think of, oh, do you know what? They'd be really good at speaking about narrative in a room and they'd be fantastic at speaking about, I don't know, talking to a corporate market and they'd be wonderful at speaking. And so I said, I think I can do that. I can't run a non-conference. That seems tricky. But I think the industry is ready for a, a, a bit of a, a, a kind of formal conference with, with formal speakers. And so we had about six weeks um, before this date was supposed to go ahead, in which time we found a venue and I contacted uh, 20 speakers and we set up AV equipment and we organised um, staff and registration and food and crew and mini games and all sorts of things. And Eric, 2017, the inaugural um, UK Skate Room Industry Conference was born. And actually it was really stupidly successful we tr we tried to run it almost free um because we had a few contacts that we could put in at the time and we wanted it to be as accessible as possible to everyone and so this year people people asked for eric um eric to return and uh, so eric the teenage years um is is in the house and he is bigger and angrier 
and um, he's not angry. Oh, that's just bigger and more exciting. Bigger and more exciting. Oh, okay, because it'd be it'd be interesting if you had just a bunch of speakers yell <laughs> at just, owners. That'd be kind I of fun too. Oh gosh, right. Okay, we've got two weeks, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make that happen just for you. Um, <laughs> but he's 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 bigger. He's now got exhibitors, and we are still running as as cheap as humanly possible. So whilst it is an amount of money that would cost, I guess, an owner the price of probably a game or two, it's only covering costs. So the volunteers that work on Eric take no money. We we plug in hundreds of hours, literally, and we take nothing for it. The money is, and, and, and may I say that our wonderful speakers, diverse set of people, and our workshop runners also take no money, including expenses, because instead of charging, as some of the wonderful conferences around the world do, rightly so, charging hundreds of dollars or euros, um, and that covers obviously speakers and setup and, and staffing and things like that. Um, we're trying to still make it accessible for a, a growing UK market and, and making sure that all of those independent companies that I love so much and I want to um, encourage and foster and help um, connect with with other people that can um, give advice and help and support. So because of that, we all volunteer for free. And, and so it feels very collaborative and fun, but we have got a core um, kind of little group of hosts. And I guess I'm mummy host. And then um, we've got Simon and someone called Dave Modleton who runs a famous game over here called um, Border Box. And Sharon's in charge of all the scary numbers things and registration and finances, stuff like that. And we've got some lovely I'm looking crew. at your pics right now. Yeah. That sounds creepy, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm on your website. You're on the website. EricUK.org. Um, I'm sorry for the, the – I don't create websites, um, as you can see, by looking at EricUK.org. Uh, so this was done just by me. Again, we take no money and we have no skills. So <laughs> – <laughs> that, that describes that, me to a T. We take no money. We have no skills. Um, but it's uh, yeah. So I, I realise it's you know it's not a professional website, but um, what it what it lacks in um, beauty, it makes up for in other things, charm maybe, and it's a way to get the UK community together, talking, supporting, collaborating, and and the biggest thing is about takeaways. I want. I say to my speakers. I don't want a how great is your venue or your game. Um, I don't really want to hear about your company. I I want you to t to impart some knowledge, whether that's this went really right for us, whether that's this went really wrong for us, or we've learned a new way to do something. Or um, and it's never this is the best way to do it. This is this, this is the way we do it, and it might be useful for you either to think, do you know what? I definitely don't want to do it that way, or that's a really good way to to think about something. So it's all about snappy talks. Um, imparting knowledge, ideas, thoughts to get the, the industry thinking and communicating and challenging each other. Uh, we always finish with some panels and this time we've got exhibitors and this time we've got some speakers from Europe as well. So the lovely Chris Latner from The Room and Donna from the Hamburg Collective with Ellen are coming and we've got a really, it's it's all about varieties. They're about that balance as I've said. It's, um, it's all a little bit selfish as well of course because you know, the more people who create more fun games mean there uh, there are more things for us to go and play. Don't tell them I the concur. secret. I'm only putting in 400 hours work <laughs> to get new games for myself. I mean, yeah, exactly. This is just this is me slowly my brainwashing the entire UK community to make me better games. Um, I'm I'm all for don't it. Don't tell I, anyone. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> in fact, I'm looking at your topics, and the nice thing is I can see at least three topics 
that deal with puzzle design. Oh, yeah. That makes me happy. Because all the other conferences, for some reason, don't talk about puzzle design. And I don't don't know why. I I get it's hard. And I don't have any that talks. I don't have one that just says puzzle design. But but a lot of the talks, because it's difficult, but a lot of the talks will touch upon it. Um, One of them, Heidi Richardson from Locks and Libro, who make all, her and and Jackie um, are partners of Locks and Libro. They make wonderful games. And they make some of the best when we did a UK enthusiast poll to say which are the best rooms in the country at the time, one of their games called The Secret Lab won, and they do wonderful puzzles, and um, really that variety again. Um, again, very clever, um, interestingly thought out puzzles that have excellently implemented. Yeah, and and so um, she's talking about narrative led design. So um, what I try and do is I have different facets of things. So if we are talking about design, or if different people are talking about design, they'll talk about it in the context of a number of different things. Again, so that you can go away and say, oh, I really like that idea. I can take something from that. Um, this kind of doesn't work for me. This really does. Um, and you know, puzzle done. It, it, there are parts of it I think that where there are definitive rules that we should follow personally and there are parts of it that are a bit more subjective 13 of them in it's fact a, no, I've, I've added some more to those <laughs> I wrote my own list when uh, when I talked with Kenna up the game and uh, yeah I got to about 17 so we'll have to but I could amalgamate some we'll have to talk about that at some point <laughs> but I, I concur with your 13 I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for them um, no actually those those 13 really didn't cover puzzle flow so I have a, I have a whole epic that I've 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 yeah and because it makes me so mad sorry i go this is why owners hate me because i think when i went to la they were all they were thinking wow errol you are a hard-hearted guy you weren't like enjoying anything no no i did enjoy it it's just that the puzzles didn't wow me anyway regardless we don't have you to mentioned talk. that to me yeah you mentioned that to me sarah when we were discussing topics that you know um owners uh, you know, being a little sad about you seeming underwhelmed by a room, either because you were tired <laughs> or because you'd seen something like it many times before and trying to convince them that, yes, you had fun. It's just you're not Oh, as, I have to put on know. this act and it hurts. Do you know, there are three things that hurt the most. Um, and I'm going to forget them by the time that I've said them. One of the things that hurts the most, which happened to us recently, is bombing a room that is so good. And there's two particular that come to oh, mind. And yeah. one, I, let me just call out Archimedes inspiration, but also I need to call out um, Escape Quest up in Macclesfield. They, these are two rooms that I will forget. Remember my, I wish I could forget. I remember my deathbed. They're the kind of rooms where you bomb them so hard, but they were so deserving yeah, we of you so to do a good job. in them. That you go away and you never want to see those owners again. We came out of a room recently, Project Delta, Archimedes Inspiration. And the first thing the owner said when she opened the door was, that hurt to watch. And I wanted to die. I was, and it, it's this, it, we, it was the ninth game in a day. We were very tired. They made an incredibly intellectual, but fair, wonderful, wonderful room. And we, we were both recovering from a cold. We got to the ninth room. We just fizzled out. We completely fizzled out. And it was a hundred and. 20 no it was 100 minute extravaganza it was blooming fantastic and we bombed it hard sometimes we'll have a bad day i do, I do sometimes feel like taking wearing a t-shirt and saying don't i'm not a superhero i know sometimes we get crazy good times but please don't expect the world from me sometimes i have a bad day sometimes i've got a cold sometimes i'm tired and i 
it, one of the things that hurts most is disappointing owners. And either that's because when I'm puzzling, I don't run around with a big smiley face because if I was, I wouldn't be puzzling. I'd be like, look at this and look at that. And isn't it wonderful? I'm puzzling and therefore I'm kind of probably got a bit of a frown on my face or maybe a bit of a scowl. I'm kind of thinking, right, what goes there? And what goes there? It's, you know, it's a, it's a concentrating face. So we'll come out of rooms and often owners will be like, well, you didn't like it, did you? And I was like, well, why? What? No, it was good. And like, but you didn't smile once. I'm like, I was, I was engrossed. I was puzzled. And I feel like I have to explain myself. And I'm like, no, I really did. And then you have to put that. No, it was, it was great. And I'm so sorry. And uh, so sometimes I literally <laughs> in escape rooms tell myself to smile or, or grin or say out loud, Sharon, isn't that great? And it probably sounds really stupid. Sometimes I'm in a damn bad mood and, 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 and it's nothing to do with the game. Sometimes the game's bad, to be fair. Um, but bombing games when you're just tired or you're not getting it on the day and really you know that they're fantastic the thing that hurts most is that A you feel like you've let down the owners and those two games in particular hurt genuinely I can barely yeah, just think ha- about I, them I felt like just hiding my, yeah. myself shame. in shame I felt shame. like running away yeah. <laughs> and pretending that it was it was a pod person not me uh, yeah having to perform our team name is S2 is S squared but so many people can't make the two a squared that they write S2 on, on Facebook on the lead whatever it's a big fanfare or it's pressured to perform and they've brought everyone in and the gms have stayed on to watch us and we often sink when we do that we just don't do well and uh, they'll be like who are these chumps i thought they were good everyone said they'd be really good and they've taken like 47 minutes in our game and our record was 20 and you're like but sometimes we just won't do well and it's funny a lot of the time we'll get um people no, no, I, I guess it's it's an honor and, and it's it's very it's sweet flattering it's flattering but sometimes people will post on the enthusiast group or even owners will be like we had someone that beat s2 today or um guess what i just got a faster time and i'm like i can't get a record in it like we probably don't hold i don't know 10 percent of records five percent of records you know it's just two of us sometimes there's more and you know we don't actually go in and go right get out of the way everyone we're going for a record we play just to have fun the only thing that matters to me is getting out that's that matters to me. That's what I'll go for. And when there's two of you and you don't know how much of a room is left, you probably will sometimes look like you're rushing because it's that I, I need to get out. But it's never rushing for a record. But it's there's a surprising amount of pressure <laughs> playing escape rooms. That makes sense. Yeah. We, because there's four of us usually, I'm in a group of four, we rarely rush in a room nope. because we yeah. usually know that we're going to finish it. And so we just and we just play and have fun. But I guess if there's two of you, you kind of have to rush. When I ever do a room that's just two of us, and I haven't done it that much, I forget I have to up my game, and I'm still doing the same things I do. And then I realize halfway through, whoa, we're not even, we're sucking. Yeah, oh, yeah. We tried. We played a room up north, I won't name any names, but because there were four of us, it was Ken and his wife and us, as you say, you kind of <laughs> chill. You, you you know, you're kind of like, well, we're going to get out. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm not worried. We're not going to get out. We're going to get out. And so at the time we broke the record, but we all kind of, we often come out of a room and we say we left time in a room. So sometimes Sharon and I will say, we left five minutes in the room and that just means you know what we just clunked a bit on that puzzle we're a bit slow or we're a bit unobservant sometimes we'll come out and say we left 15 minutes someone's going to do that room 15 minutes quicker genuinely sometimes i accidentally put a book over a key piece of uv you know, you know whatever things like that but um but sometimes you just don't you know your brain's not clicking you think someone can get that a lot faster and sometimes we'll come around and say that was that was a good pace and so we played this room and we got a reasonable time i can 36 38 and at the time it was the record but we all went away thinking we weren't really massively on it 
Um, we kind of missed some really obvious things. It was a bit, it was a bit clunky. Um, it, we, we did okay. But when a team went in about four, three or four weeks later and they beat our time and it was all over this, it was, <laughs> she'd put up a post on Facebook, like, um, kind of on the lines of, you know, sack the UK. So we won, Ken, Sharon and I were part of the UK Mind Gamers team. That's a whole other story. But she was kind of like, sack the UK team. This team has smashed the time by two minutes and they're so much better. And and it was this really long post about kind of like, you know, the, they're amazing because they beat one of our times. And I like, I, it's very flattering that if anyone kind of beats the time, that they're so happy that we've been put on this ridiculously insane pedestal that doesn't exist. Um, particularly when we're on a forum, we're just kind of milling through a room. But it's also quite funny that people expect us to have this superhuman talents. And then sometimes... You know, they do watch you in a room and think, wow, those are just ordinary people. <laughs> they really don't know anagrams and there's a key right in front of their face. Why won't they just pick it up? We had we had one room, Sharon was reminding me, where uh, we were we went with two friends, lovely Alex and Monique from the Panic Room, who make wonderful rooms. And um, we did their, our 1,000th in one of their new beautiful rooms, Wizard of Oz room. It was. And we, we went to a room and we all, you know, handcuffed in, in a room, started in restraints. And the, the guy had said something. I remember. The guy had said, um, don't, I think it was like, don't, uh, don't start playing the game until it was either something like the music has started or I, I say, you know, a, a sound comes on or a light comes on or something like that. And nothing happened. And so we all kind of stood there and went, okay, he's probably taken a while to start the room for some reason. And nothing happened and nothing. Ha- and we stayed in our restraints, not moving for seven minutes. Um, Whoa. And, yeah, yeah. But I, after the game had after started. After the game had started. We couldn't see the clock we didn't realize it had started and then we were like we felt really bad so we were saying out loud we're, we're gonna stop playing now can you let us know which we'll often do if we're doing something we think we might not be able to do we'll always tell the gm i think i might put this water in this vase if that's something i shouldn't do perhaps someone will tell me you know <laughs> i'm going to throw oh, this yes. rock no, through this we window do that too so um yeah so we, we kind of did that. We're like, we're going to start to play now, although the music has not started. So it turned out that this guy had forgotten to start the music. But uh, we, we started and then we kind of, we had a good game. So we crashed through the game. I think we did it about 18 minutes or something. But he said, he, we came out and he's like, wow, you guys were really slow to start. And we were like, um, we, were you just stuck? And we're like, well, we, we weren't moving because the music didn't start. And he said, oh, I didn't start the music. I thought you were just really bad. And uh, <laughs> we're just really stuck. We were like, but we were also still. I mean, there's bad and there's, I am so unsure what just to do. I'm just going to sit in handcuffs for seven minutes thinking, let's discuss this, guys. What should we do? You know, let's have a heart to heart. So it's quite, it's, it's, it's sweet. People will always... Um, we'll go to rooms and they'll be like, and the record is, and I'll immediately put my hand, no, 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 don't tell us, we're not playing for records, we're just playing for fun. Just And, the, and then they'll say, and I guess you don't want any clues, and we're like, no, 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 we're here to have fun. So if we get really stuck, love, don't care. We're not one of those people that goes, no, I'm an enthusiast, I want your clues. I, I play for fun, and I also don't necessarily trust the room if I haven't played it. So if they've got a leap of logic, oh, yes. then if it's I true. go, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to have any clues, unless I know that room, how do I know that I'm not going to need one? If it's a great room on a good day, obviously I shouldn't need any clues. And we've played many, many games when we thankfully haven't needed any clues. But until I know the designer, I would feel very bad about saying I want no clues because their room may, you know, suck. It may suck, love it. And yep. equally, yes. <laughs> I may be having a bad day. And one thing that I'll get 
immediately or see or spot one day, I won't get another day. So we'll always say, no, no, if you see us going completely behind time, completely off rails, but what we normally say is when we are frustrated, we will ask. And at that point, we would love a little nudge in the right direction. Oh, I hear you. I'm I'm a horrible person because I go into every room expecting it to suck. And I see one small bad puzzle design and I mistrust everything in that room from then on. And it's like, yeah, no, this probably sucks calling a hint. (laughs) I'm, I'm a horrible person for that. This is why owners hate me. <laughs> My big bugbears are having more sign, more better signposting in rooms. Not more. If there's enough, that's fine. But better signposting, remove ambiguity, proper in-game player feedback. You know, I'd, how many rooms have we played where we'll do something? We're like, I think we did something right, particularly techie rooms. But sometimes I think I did something, but I don't know if I did. We had one horrendous room in, in Budapest, unfortunately, where we did a very impressive big thing. And we and, and, and then we had no further path to follow and we ended up having to get a clue and the, and the clue was check the walls. And so three of us went round like hugging, the just running our hands. Oh God, that over was so ridiculous. Every centimetre of the walls. And what it turned out to be was a, a drawer or a, you know, it's like a mag release, but unfortunately it had no popper, so it didn't pop open. So, uh. and I was like, the puzzle is the puzzle that we did. The puzzle is not find out what tiny bit of scenery in a huge, big scenic room, slightly moved by one millimetre. It's that, it's that I- statement from a designer. Oh yeah, people never get that. Yeah, <laughs> no, and that's that and that's why I'm so shocked. Like when I wrote up all my articles on puzzle design, I, I'm like shocked that this is not out there already for people. And and then when you have conferences and nobody talks about these very basic things, and then I keep seeing it over and over again, and it just drives me mad. And that's that's why I always I also probably look angry. And then Carol's I sh- always angry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then that's why. Yeah, and then and then I don't tell owners what I think because it's just like no, it'll just it'll just make me angry talking. I kind to of you, try so. and do the um, I don't know what the the rule is called, but you know the good feedback, bad feedback, good feedback rule of giving um. Of of giving feedback, oh, you're supposed to give that oh, positive, yeah, negative, the, the positive. sandwich, the poo yeah, there sandwich. There we go. I love a sandwich. Um, so it's it's if someone if we come out of a room and it's been truly awful, it's difficult. Particularly we play with 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 friends, and it's kind of like how was that? And we have some friends who have to be blatantly honest, and I just have to walk away and think I can't listen to this pain. So what I'll try and do if I've played an awful, you know, bad room is I will be playing the room thinking what can I say that's good if they ask us? What can I say? And it's about what can be improved um so i won't go and say your room was trash on the whole if it was that bad i i would just have to leave and say it was interesting probably um but i'll say do you know what i liked the idea behind this um the only problem with it is that for me there was too much ambiguity and or there were four solves here and the problem with that is there's nothing in your room to tell me which of those solves was legitimate and then i'll try and say so can you imagine if if i thought it was this i'll take five minutes to try and implement that solve um but it wasn't it was some you know you try and explain to them and show them where the frustration came and he said now if you pared that down or if you took that out if you added this bit of signposting and you try and give them an example maybe of how they could prove it or how they could remove the frustration and, and say it and couch in a way saying and then I'd have a brilliant time and so much fun because I'd, I'd get what to do and it would still be in theme or you know you, you if you give an example and you express how much more fun it would be and how much better it would be and how it would remove frustration some owners 
will appreciate that. And that's sometimes how I, sometimes I come out of a room and I think there is so much negative in this room. I'm just going to think of three things, three things that I think I can come up with an easy, quick solution that they might be interested in and say, you know, I like the idea behind this. And if you X, Y, Z, it might be even better. Um, some rooms, I mean, some rooms you just, <laughs> just hang your I like the idea behind escape rooms, but you didn't capture that idea whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that you called it an escape room and there was a room and I escaped. Um, thanks. Yeah. You I have to say, Sarah, you are very good at negotiating that balance and knowing whether or not the owner or designer actually wants to have feedback because they want to change or if they just want a pat on the back. Because mm -hmm. the last thing we want to do is have an argument about whether or not we enjoyed someone's room and, you know, it's like kicking someone's baby or saying someone's mm -hmm. baby Good is analogy. ugly. It's just like that. Okay. Yeah, but sorry, not kicking the baby. But it's like saying someone's <laughs> baby is ugly. If someone genuinely thinks that they're doing the best thing in the world and then they start arguing with you when you explain why why we didn't have such why a their great baby was time ugly. as they'd hoped we yeah. would. And so you, you um, just say, I love your baby, it's wonderful. But if you put a bag on its head and a bow here, <laughs> it could be even better. You know, the big caveat is always that we're not, well, I'm not a designer. It's just giving feedback on what I or we as customers or potential customers um, found hard or were frustrated at. Because why wouldn't you want people to have a great time in your room? When we did our thousandth room, it, we kind of, it took me a while to write it because I wanted to say thank you. I wanted to say there are so many amazing GMs and owners and designers and enthusiasts and industry professionals that have ultimately changed my life, um, our lives over the last two years. We've been to new countries. I've, I've saved the world many times, you know, all in those work. <laughs> but we've been on so many adventures and seen so many new things and met so many new friends. And that's incredible and wonderful. And, and I am so thankful to the industry for doing that, that I love to give back to it. And if I can sit down and an owner wants me to talk at them, even if I would normally get paid for that, if they're open to the um, the analysis and the feedback, I will always sit down with an owner and tell them everything I can and even try and come up with some uh, small refinements if they're interested in, in doing that. Because if it's better, then they make a better room and more people are happy and more people like escape rooms. And, um, you know, I'm always open to that. The owners I struggle with when we come out and we they'll ask for feedback quite genuinely. And you might say, the problem with this is it was very ambiguous. There are lots of potential solves and... Um, you know, it could have been any one of those. And so we unfortunately went down the path of the solve that you didn't intend, uh, you know, it wasn't your intended solution. And they'll say that the great line, which I kind of want to put my head in my hands when they say it is, but we had one team once that got it first time. Oh. 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 oh, so you found an outlier. That's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Great. Oh, Good stats them. there, my friend. And I, sometimes <laughs> I've had to explain to them why that's bad. So how many teams have we had through? Oh, about 300. But three people have got it first time and you're sitting there like griffing the chair like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if it's I gave like, you so a when you flip like, a coin, yeah, two yeah, people yeah. got heads once. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I say to them, so if I had a bag of like snooker balls or pool balls, and I said, put your hand in here and pick the green one, you know, or the black eight or whatever, is is that fair or is that you know? And it's sometimes that's actually works. And they go, oh, and I'm like, really? I had to really destructible puzzles why i it still surprises me that i have to explain to an owner because i know i destructible i don't know if i haven't read ria's um i'm sorry ria i haven't read their terminology list yet their glossary but i'm guessing room and i'm hoping artist, destructible is on there yeah yes room we artist. were actually having an argument uh, not an argument uh we were mm. discussing because 
my idea of a destructible puzzle is along the lines that there is no way to reset it back to initial state. Yes, that's my destructible puzzle. What and is their, their idea puzzle? of a destructible puzzle is something you need to destroy in order no. to continue with the room. So, like, maybe you have to break a mug or I don't Even know. Lisa, I, I'm, I'm in the Errol camp here. A distru- so, in the UK. <laughs> well, we, uh, to, li- linguistically, they both seem like kind of fair definitions just at odds with each other she's the balanced person who brings everyone together when we're arguing Um, (laughs) you're right we're both right and that's nice but there's only one solution to this puzzle Sharon and there's only one lock that's going to open so in the UK, I guess amongst the enthusiasts, we use destructible to mean something that cannot be reset um, back to its original state. And once you've lost that information, you, you've lost it. So like a mm-hmm. chessboard where you have to know where those pieces mm-hmm. were, but they're not stuck down and you wipe them off and that's it. You're going to have to be told by the gym. So that for us is what destructible means. And it still surprises me, you know, a clock where you can move the hands. So someone moves yeah. the hands and then you're like, and it still surprises me that I have to explain to owners why that's a problem, you know. And, and I guess one of the interesting things I guess in this industry. So when I worked in the computer game industry and and other industries, there'll be some kind of course or background that people will tend to have to go on and learn about the theory behind design in whatever design they're doing uh, before they can, I guess, embark on a career. And one of the interesting things I've found about the escape room industry, there's many, many people who have played in escape room and thought, I loved that. I going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get some boxes and buy some locks and I'm going to do it. And what's interesting is that perhaps unexpectedly some people are fantastic at it with absolutely no design theory behind it what's behind them whatsoever and some are uh, make the mistakes you would expect like making destructibles or having multiple solutions or darkness equals difficulty and um i know so for example alex monique at the panic room i briefly mentioned they're near london and they make lots of interesting rooms and so they don't have a background in design but they're big enthusiasts and i guess like us although i do um, Alex would spend a lot of time trying to work out why he enjoyed something or why something frustrated him. And although he might not have the terminology or the kind of, I, I guess, the, the base theories, the base concepts, he's making them, he's discovering them in his head as he makes and refines his rooms um, simply by watching the players, listening to the feedback, um, working out why it worked and why it didn't you know why it didn't work and so it's it's a very interesting industry to be in because most of the people that own rooms do not have I a like background that. in puzzle mm-hmm. design no, and that's fascinating true. to me and i don't know of another industry where people are making you know creating businesses that make money based around <laughs> effectively puzzles and have no <laughs> background whatsoever in puzzles and and i think that's where some rooms go really wrong is that people think well i yeah. can do that but they don't understand the subtleties of flow and balance and it's fascinating to me when people get it so right and don't have that background because they're just so willing to really analyze think and discover those those foundations of puzzle design by themselves by simply Mm -hmm. observing trying you know and 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 kind of watching and and that's that's and that's why i mean near the beginning of the enthusiast group a lot of people in the in facebook would would be posting all these problems like I, like they didn't understand why I don't know a puzzle didn't work, and not realizing. Look, there's there are design rules that will help you with that, and they they think they're approaching it from like in a in a wasteland, like it's the wild like west, and nobody has ever made puzzles before, <laughs> and that's not true whatsoever. And and I kept trying to tell people, no, no, puzzles have been around for decades. You don't have to start from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. 
it's always I, I love that I end up being a bit of the probably Ken finds the same but I end up being a bit of the UK encyclopedia so owners will often message me on Facebook or just call me or speak to me at the time and they'll just say right um, can you tell me how many or whether this has ever happened in a UK escape room before, you know? Um, <laughs> so, for example, a colour-changing puzzle. Has anyone used a colour-changing puzzle? And unfortunately, because of the way my mind works, I will just go... Tick, 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 tick. There are three. <laughs> One is in... You know, and so I do this a lot. So they use me as this kind of weird you know very odd um encyclopedia and so new owners or people you're that like are coming the up google with new of rooms, escape rooms yeah or maybe the database of escape rooms you're a relational people, database for escape rooms exactly people say i've got a new idea for a concept or a space um if you don't tell anyone i'm like i absolutely won't and it, it's true for, um uh can you tell me whether you've heard of this before and the but the one thing that really kills is that unfortunately because we've played a lot of rooms sometimes be like i have seen one and their face will just drop and i think well i can't lie <laughs> but i'll be like but it's good i'll say caveat if i've seen less than five this is great for you you know i yes i have used a grappling hook in an escape room before that's fine because that's once we actually made um i made a never have i ever which i keep meaning to release i'll, I'll probably put it on the like the enthusiast group at some point i was going to do it at the thousandth but i haven't even put up a facebook post about the thousandth yet but we were coming back from um, one of our, I guess, escape room European holidays once. And we just used a grappling hook in a room, like a real grappling hook to really throw and grapple. Very cool. <laughs> and uh, and so I started making this like, you know, those things on Facebook where it says, how many points have you achieved in your life? Have you been you know, arrested? <laughs> have you skydived? So I kind of did one of those for um, escape rooms. And I thought, well, let me put some easy things in. So, for example, in the easy category is used UV, um, <laughs> escape to prison, save the world, no clue to room, you know, used a cryptex, those kind of things, or used a direction lock. And then we've got kind of medium Um and it so I don't know had a live actor in a room or been in um, cuffs or had a smell puzzle a laser maze you know you've done them but they're not all the time and so then we we went to the hard category so even now I look at the hard category I'm like that's a bit different so real alcohol in a room to drink um, mixed chemicals melted something climbed a ladder cast a spell. Um, played a, a an arcade or computer game within a room as part of a room. Mm. Um, supplied with food in a room, working shower or toilet in an escape room, used a suction cup, colour changing puzzles, had a bar scanner. And then we had the, um, I don't know, this is swearing, we had the no fucking way category, which at the time <laughs> um, was things that we'd probably only seen once, but maybe maybe more now. So in our no fucking ways category, there are many, but it was like set fire to something. And I don't mean I brought a lighter in and I just got really fed up with the room and set it alight, which I've been tempted yeah, I got really annoyed and just set fire to them. But we've legitimately had to set fire to something in a room. We've had that a few times now. Um, so, you know, used a grappling hook, had live animals in the room, used bolt cutters, although that's probably going into hard now. We've had that a few times, purposefully, not purposefully. Performed a magic trick, found something hidden in real food, had, which again is more common now. Had to cook food in a room. <laughs> X-rated content in a room. We've been in Europe and we've now had that a fair few times. Um, so things like things had to, oh, this one was good. This one's pretty rare. I wonder how many people we've had to strip or remove clothing genuinely to go further ahead in a room. That was a, a oh. special. Yeah. I just always a, remove my shoes. Yeah. yeah. Count? 
That's no, it didn't. Unfortunately, it didn't count. So we saw one of our good friends, Mark, who was the other chap on the UK um, Mind Gamers team. We we saw him in a in a way we hadn't expected to see him um, in this in this room. There, it was a it he, was a he took one for the room. team, didn't he? Yeah, he did take one for the team. He did. We all stripped off. He's a good. He's, 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 he's a solid rugby guy so you know that was awesome <laughs> it was really awkward because i'd booked it it was in germany which might not surprise people and it was um it was like a killer room i can't remember what it's called but it was it was it was an interesting room and so i thought we were going to some kind of serial killer room which we were but then we turned up and we got this briefing we expecting to go into this kind of murdery serial killer room and um she said and the serial killer is a domina i think it was domina sorry to german people i got that wrong and i was like looking at her like Oh, I think I know what that. Yeah, I'm like, I think that's what that means. Okay, we're in a German dominatrix room. Things are about to go down. Mark has not played a German sex room, escape room yet. German, <laughs> sorry, sex escape room. Let me. Just, um, and uh, and it was the things we did in that room. We we've all had to be, uh, we had to go to counselling about and. Um, <laughs> Mm, it, was, I, it was a we we came out we didn't really talk about it that we much did we? Few, we we didn't talk for a little while afterwards the thing <laughs> it took to a little while to be able to discuss it just saying that sounds like my worst nightmare room <laughs> <laughs> we won't take you to see to i probably would have fun in that room just to see amanda uncomfortable oh my god no. oh, I, <laughs> loved, I loved every second of it i guess you're not pretty sure you don't mind that in the skate room i um then, then that's fine. But there's definitely been things in a few rooms in Europe that I don't think would ever make it, make it to the UK. And equally, there are different... I have noticed as we've played in Europe that different countries have slightly different styles. I think Europe and the UK, because I consider the UK part of Europe, <laughs> um, I think we as a whole have a generic style versus uh, Russian rooms that we've seen as a franchise. Um, and... I don't Asian, know about American East or Asian rooms, but East Asian rooms that we've seen as franchises. Yes, definitely. But even within the countries, for example, when we went to Berlin, there were some of the more physical rooms that we've played. Every room had some kind of tunnel, crawling, climbing that wouldn't be allowed here, physicality. Um, and, but we tended to get good times. And every time we go to France, we don't get very good times. And we've always tried to work out why, but we've always found that they've got a few more puzzles than they perhaps would here and a little yeah, bit yeah the quantity is definitely greater in the french definitely. french rooms that is, as a generalization thank you yeah so we are actually running up against time here seven, seven, seven hours only because man pans has another podcast I that she's know. gonna oh, man we're just getting like oh stylizations from podcast cool. yeah podcast. yeah narrative we haven't even discussed narrative in a room man pans thank you so much for for talking with us today and congratulations oh, thank you. letting us waffle thousandth room holy we're crazy crap. I know. Thank, and we did our thousandth successful escape as well a, f a few days ago, which was fun. Which was uh, was it was about five after our thousandth room, um, so that was cool. We had a double celebration: thousandth room, thousandth escape. Any oh, any fun. reason for escape? Any any reason for like, escape? Like Can moving we just... forward, I've I've already got it planned. A thousand and a half. Sorry, eleven hundred. One 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 one. Yeah, one, I saw two, three, you four. had like a cake for the nine hundred ninety ninth. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> just to be clear, that was unexpected. But can we just promote escape because people they did come from us. Um, it's my bad pun, and uh, <laughs> everyone that hits a milestone, which is I guess fifth, we started at one hundred fifty, but fifty onwards, escape. you should be getting yourself an escape. If you go on to at escape addicts on Instagram, you'll see. I know real escape artists had an escape, and we there's escape holics. I'm not sure where they're from, but they've done a good. 
re 400 to do it so escape you ultimately i'm trying to um as a doctor i care about people's health and i'm clearly encouraging obesity so when you milestone oh, and ah, escape room, or please you're cake. encouraging emotional happiness through cake yes emotional happiness through <laughs> cake that's 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 really my last line isn't it eat cake everyone thanks guys and i'm gonna take us out Room Escape Divas is brought to you by InverseGenius.com. You can go to Inverse Genius to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also find us on Facebook. Just click the like button or you can email us at RoomEscapeDivas at gmail.com. We love getting emails. And we are not on Twitter, but you can use the hashtag R-E-Divas if you'd like to get a hold of us. All right. And Errol threw his phone at me and I caught it and I was just so cool and calm <laughs> while I was doing it. And it was great. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.